0: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: Well, it's my turn again, I see. All right, 5 o'clock. It's a uh, Wednesday, so I guess it's time for me to spend some time with you. Well, good afternoon and welcome. Hope you had a good day today. We've made it halfway through the week. And talked talk to the boss, put in two more days... I've made arrangements for you to get Saturday and Sunday off, just because that's the kind of guy I am. Hey, let's uh, talk about what's on the agenda today. Um, We've got more alarming things coming out of Sacramento, and I I realize that's becoming kind of almost a broken record. There was a little bit of relief toward the end of the Brown administration when the governor, I suppose, forward-thinking to his legacy— after uh, four terms the longest running governor in the history of california uh vetoed a few of the more egregious bills that have been passed by the california state legislature and i never thought i'd come to the point of saying this but i think the day will come when we will rue the day that jerry brown is no longer governor <laughs> and and before you before you slam the brakes on and and uh, end up getting rear-ended and causing whiplash uh having heard me say that. uh, Let me put it in context for you. If there were moments when you think that Jerry Brown was off the hook, welcome to the Gavin Newsom generation. And there's going to be a few things coming through the state legislature, a few proposals by the governor, including his most recent here, the last 24 hours, that in spite of the fact that a majority of Californians do want the death penalty, do want capital punishment for capital crimes, he's seemingly headed towards an executive order that would just reverse all that, which at a level, I don't know that I'm as up in arms as some folks are over it because California hasn't exercised um, its right and responsibility to meter out capital punishment in many, many years. So it's probably, at the end of the day, sort of a moot point anyway. But that said, without anybody at the governor's mansion that can kind of put the brakes on the legislature, we could be in for a very interesting four years. Witness Assembly Bill 175 that seeks to update the Foster Children's Bill of Rights. Now. Long-time followers to this program know that the foster system in California, the foster care program in California, has been slipping rapidly into the abyss for many, many years, so much so that growing numbers of California families just say, No, we, we hate to turn these kids away, but the amount of intervention by the state of California at layers where, frankly, the state should never be involved of intrusiveness into our own family has just become too much. And so more and more Californians are saying no to becoming foster parents. And if it isn't bad enough, it's about to get worse with AB 175. Here to tell us more is the director of the California chapter of Concerned Women for America, Marlo Tucker. Marlo, is always a delight to have you join us on the program. I was going through some of the text of... AB 175. And at first I thought I was reading a, 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 a puff piece from The Onion. <laughs> it, it goes from the sublime to the ridiculous so quickly. But sadly enough, they're quite serious about a lot of this, aren't they?
2: Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and uh, the author, he's trying to attract people to become foster parents, but he's mandating foster parents to use transgender pronouns. Well,
1: Wait, wait. And he's so trying. He he's, accomplish... Well, yeah. well, pardon me. He, I, did you? Did I just hear you say that he's trying to attract more people, more families to become foster parents? Yes. Exactly. Wow. With this little, with this little bit of creative writing, boy, is he sadly mistaken.
2: Yeah, this bill doesn't accomplish its goal at all. It's actually making people think twice about becoming a foster parent because it infringes on our First Amendment rights of. Speech and um, religious freedom, and so you know they're constantly trying to bring up civil rights and anti-discrimination laws that butt heads with the First Amendment. But really, you know, the fluid, arbitrary nature of these new pronouns—it's—it's it's pretty problematic. Um, Facebook now allows for over sixty genders, uh, sexual orientations. I mean, who defines these? Uh, the terms aren't clearly defined, and. For example, a new pronoun, um, examples are F A E, like F A and E Y and V E and X E and D I E and, um, and the list, the list goes on. Um, and so, you know, science says it's dangerous to rush to affirmations. Uh, the APA handbook on sexuality and psychology specifically warns against a rush affirmation because, it risks neglecting underlying psychological issues. And according to uh, medical doctor, Von Mall, foster care children are more likely to have underlying issues. It includes psychological, neurological conditions, and childhood um, adverse events, um, adverse parental and family dynamics. I mean, the list goes on, environmental and relational difficulties. And so, you know, we're neglecting these underlying psychological issues.
1: Well, and you would think from the onset that these children are in the foster system because there is a fundamental problem within their own family unit that maybe uh, mom or dad or both parents are on drugs, or there's something that, that the state has deemed them, at least temporarily, if not permanently, unsuitable for caring for and looking after the best interests of their child, so that the child is already faced with the handicap of coming from a highly dysfunctional family. So dysfunctional, the state had to step in in order to to try and protect the child's best interest. But then you read through some of this language in AB one seventy five, and it's not just the gender fluidity of the pronouns. It goes to things like children have has a right to access to computer technology and the internet. I mean, that that's a right now. Uh, children from the age of ten or older have a right to information concerning abortion, birth control, sexually transmitted diseases, Um, you cannot engage in corporal punishment at home, they have a right to maintain their own bank account and manage their own personal income, they have a right to a storage space for private use, they have a right to be free from unreasonable searches of personal belongings, so this goes on and on. I mean, I, I I guess they've forgotten the fact that the operative word in foster parent is parenting. These children need to be parented, and yet the state seems to be stripping away the ability for a foster parent to do just that.
2: Yeah, and I mean, these are like 10-year-olds, and, uh, and, you know, children have developing brains, their minds are changing, and they don't grasp long-term consequences. And so, uh, you know, it's statistics say that 90% of youth, you know, they accept their bodies by the time they reach adulthood without any intervention. And so, um, you know, we are we are giving freedom to choose um, permanent decisions. We're giving them the freedom to decide these decisions, you know, uh, about their gender that can lead to pr- um, altering their bodies permanently. And, you know, we need to protect these children from AB-1755. Uh, Dr. Michael Ludlow, an endocrinologist, I and mean, he said that, you know, the pu- puberty blocking drugs, it causes sterility, elevated cardiovascular risk because of cross sex hormones, um, permanent sexual dysfunction, osteoporosis. I mean, it impairs proper bone mineralization. And so the list goes on. And, uh, you know, it's just, this is just based on science, and then religiously, you know, it's it's morally wrong for foster parents of faith to speak against their beliefs. It's creating a hostile environment for people of faith to hold on to, um, who hold on to their biological view of sex. Well, and, well, and, your,
1: and, and what yeah. what what parent would would tolerate? Here, here's another item in in this in this proposal that the child has the right to make and receive confidential telephone calls and to receive and send unopened mail. I mean, <laughs> you know, not only now do they have a right to make any phone call they want, they have a right to access to the Internet. I mean, at some point you say, well, what what's the point of even placing them in a foster parent environment if you've essentially said that the child has a right to do every single decision, adult-related decision, that any 18 Uh, year old and older individual would be i mean it seems to completely negate the entire purpose behind the foster parenting system not to mention some of the egregious aspects of this that that really puts the child at risk as you're suggesting
2: yeah so um i mean think about your own kids uh like we wouldn't give those to our own kids and it's you know they're struggling with worth and value and um you know, we don't just tell them to listen to their internal voice and let them do what they say, what they want to do. you know, we tell them you know what's right, we tell them what's to stop trusting their feelings. we are, we reaffirm them that God loves them, and God is a solid rock. I mean, uh, emotions, especially in teenage years, are erratic. And so um the scope of parenting, the focus of foster parenting is to encourage, A strong, um, safe environment with, uh, that creates a bright future. And what we're doing is we're opening them up to harm, dangers, uh, confusion. And so AB 175 needs to be stopped. It is not for the protection of the children. It doesn't, um, it doesn't help bring people to become more foster care parents. Um, we're walking on eggshells here. And
1: no, and uh, if anything, it's gonna drive it's going to drive potential foster parents away when they recognize just how little control they have of the child that's living underneath their roof with their own children. Uh, few families would ever go for this. And sadly, Marlo, the thing that these children need the most coming out of the turmoil of having, by the state, been removed from their parents' household, these kids are desperate for stability and norms. And unfortunately, this measure, AB 175, strips both of those away and says to the foster parent, you're just, you're just here to kind of check in, put a roof over the kid's head, food on the table, and the child will raise itself. That's essentially, you read this measure, that's essentially what it's saying. Um, I think this is a good juncture for you to be in contact with your member of the California state legislature. <laughs> Legislature, um, and let them know that you do not support this legislation. That they should vote against Assembly Bill One Seven Five. That's Assembly Bill One Seven Five. And you can get more information two places. Um, you can certainly go online to findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. Gov. That's findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov, Gov. And there you'll put in your zip code. It'll tell you ex- <coughs> tell you exactly who your member of the California State either Assembly or Senate is, to contact he or she. Um, And the other thing you can do to get more information is to stay in contact with Concerned Women for America. Uh, What is the exact chapter website for California? Is there a unique um, URL, Marlo, beyond the national one?
2: Yes, it's ca.cwfa.org. That's ca.cwfa.org. You can get information on joining a prayer chapter and getting informed on the issues and how to take action and how to pray, pray for um, this issue that's affecting families all across the state and praying for our state and our legislature. Um, we deeply need to be on our knees to fight this battle, a spiritual battle. It's blinding Christians to um, silencing them. It's uh, giving fear to people who mean well for kids And, um, you know, we need to open our eyes. We need to be vigilant, and we have to know what's going out there. We need to know the opposition so that we can take action.
1: Absolutely. And, again, you can get more information online by going to ca.cwfa. Think Concerned Women for America. ca.cwfa.org. Our thanks to Marlo Tucker, the director of the California Chapter of Concerned Women for America, for that update. AB 175. Boy, it is a doozy unbelievable all right let's get a quick time out here and get you updated on some traffic shall we 518 let's get the latest from the kfax traffic center as we say good afternoon to michael bennett hey michael how we doing out there All right, welcome back to the conversation 523, make that 523 just having some conversation here off the air about the challenges of dealing with daylight savings time and the biannual ritual. We've uh, we've taken a vote, we all agree that the the fall clock change we all support. It's the spring one <laughs> that we're not so sure about. And of course, that's a challenge because the first place in our life where that impacts potentially if you, if you failed to make the time change or if you're a little bit uh, weary-eyed because you've lost an hour, and that's Sunday morning church. And uh, my goodness, a lot of pastors go through stress twice a year. Either everybody shows up well before church just started or an hour late just to catch everybody leaving. Um, but I guess that goes with the territory, as they say. There are challenges not only dealing with time change for churches. There's challenges in church ministry in general. Recent surveys that have been put out by the Barna Group – also indicate that we live in a day and an age that one of those big challenges, besides getting folks to church on time, is getting to folks to church at all. Reason this for a moment. In the most recent Barnes survey, we find that fully 20% of American adults, that's people over the age of 18, fully 20% identify as having no religious affiliation whatsoever. 20%, one in five Americans don't have any religious affiliation at all. And perhaps even more troubling, of those who identify as Christians, still a majority, but of those that would, who do identify as Christians, only one out of every three attend church with any regularity. Wow. You hear a statistic like that and you, you think to yourself, well, Maybe this is part of the great falling away that the Bible has talked about in prophecy. But then, too, you look at that and think, well, if this be the case, is this a time to be planting new churches? I suspect that my next guest is going to say, oh, absolutely. Joining me today in studio is Pastor Andy and Sarah Madsen. They are the co-planting pastors of a brand new church that's not even quite launched yet. We're going to tell you about that in a moment. A new church coming to birth in North Oakland called Reunion Covenant Church. And I'd like to welcome Andy and Sarah and... uh, Company.
2: <laughs>
1: Normally we have to set out three microphones for three guests, but uh, Sarah's going to share the same one with uh, – do we know yet? We do, don't know we don't... if
3: it's a boy or a girl. And we're, okay,
1: you're going to be surprised. So we're surprised. just calling
3: it Hazonathan for now, which is the combination of the girl name and the boy name that we've chosen. So,
1: Did you decide to do that on purpose? You just want the surprise?
4: <laughs> I, I opted for the surprise. I, I saw the look on my brother Kevin's face when he – not only was a new dad, but he had no idea until moments before if it was going to be a boy or a girl. I saw his face, and I was like, that looks fun. I want to experience that kind of a surprise.
1: So the baby's room, uh, neutral colors. Yeah, grays, right? yeah. yellows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to be on the safe side. Well, welcome to the both of you. Congratulations. Now, it, it, the planning on this, I mean, you're giving birth twice over here. yeah um, <laughs> Literally in about a month's time. Yes, And just prior to that, toward the end of March here, the 24th, I believe, is the official launch of the new church plant in Oakland. Congratulations, and boy, you're in for a lot of exciting times. Yes. Both at home and. Uh, in your calling,
4: I have a feeling coffee is going to be even more my best friend than yes, it already has we been. Just make a
1: note right now, if you would, please send Starbucks cards to Pastor Andy. We'll share the address with you in a moment. He's <laughs> he's going to need it. Let's talk about the new church plant. Mm-hmm. Um, as I alluded to in my opening comments, um, you know we're we're living in challenging times. There's a lot of turmoil in our nation, certainly politically, economically. And there seems to be with us a great churning that's going on. The adage, faith of our fathers, is less and less a reality because a lot of young people, even if they went to church as they were kids, they hit the age of 18, they're off to college or work or whatever, they're not so interested in going to church like mom and dad. They want to kind of forge out on their own, engage in their own discovery Sometimes they come back on an increasing basis. They're not coming back. And you look at this and say, gee, in the midst of an increase in in lack of faith – uh, you're going to engage or embark, I should say, on a brand new church plant. And I guess some people in the audience might be asking why.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, the, the statistics that you shared from the Barna Group, um, absolutely, that's what we've seen as well. Um, one more that I'd, I'd add to it, um, the, the area that we're in, the San Francisco-Oakland metro area, ranks number two in the nation, just behind New York, for uh, least – Unchurched areas um, so this this really is a mission field and I mean to use jesus 's analogy of the soils this you could maybe say this is hard soil or thorny or rocky soil where uh, there's just so many things in the way of uh, of of the gospel breaking into people's hearts and lives where you go God you you have to go ahead of us into people's hearts and lives um, as we share this because uh, for for whatever reason. Like you, like you said, uh, there's some people who have walked away from church. Uh, they're 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 de They you know, I I did that. I experienced that. I want nothing to do with that. Or it's boring. Or it doesn't connect to my real life. There's other people that this isn't even on their radar at all. They uh, they were raised up. They were raised without any faith whatsoever. Uh, a coworker of mine at Starbucks. I I brought up uh, Abraham. I'm thinking, you know, father of three different. Faiths around the world. She'll know who Abraham is, she, and she said, "Well, who's that?" And I had to control my facial expression because I, I, am still coming into this world as well, where you you realize, man, there's so many people who uh, not have not only have walked away from this, but maybe this isn't even on their radar whatsoever. Um, but at the same time, Sarah and I are immensely hopeful and immensely encouraged. Um, not only uh, by the the spiritual thirst that we've seen uh, with people around us, as, we, as we've talked as we've talked to them about what we're doing, they've just asked, "Hey, what are you what are you doing in the area? What do you do for work?" And you know, the, the church planting work comes up, and as we explain it to them, uh, a lot of people there's a there's a receptivity to it, there's an openness to it, there's a thirst. Uh, hey, tell me, let me know when that happens, and I'd, I'd love to be there, or I'm excited for you guys, and thanks for doing that. Um, we're encouraged by that, but we're also encouraged by the people that God's provided to be on this team uh, with us. We, we couldn't do it without uh, this, this what we're calling our launch team of, of this dedicated group of, of folks. And it's been so um, encouraging to hear their hearts for their friends, for their neighbors, for their coworkers to say, I have been dreaming and praying about a, 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 a church that would be uh, a welcoming space for these people in my life that I care about.
1: So at the end of the day, then, this is not necessarily that there is a decrease in the need. I mean, certainly from a biblical perspective, we would say, well, wait, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, yes, we recognize the need is certainly there. Um, Maybe it's simply a decrease in the sense of interest that a lot of millennials have in particular in the institution of doing church so we have to maybe differentiate between the institution versus the relational side of christianity
4: that's a big part of it that's definitely a big part of it um i, I i've noticed a common thread um in the next generation where um uh, religion faith however they would categorize it it just feels like uh, maybe a side compartment or category of their life just like another hobby that you would take up, take up and for them it uh it just feels like it has no practical relevance to their life you know i i could take a yoga class to meet that same need mm. i could take a soul cycle class for that i could go to this meditation group um or um i, I want to spend my sunday in in some other way doing something else and uh so so that's that's part of the challenge facing us as as a church plant is to say um we we want to uh see if is there any way that we need to reevaluate how we're doing uh, church ministry to let people know that this this has everything to do with every pocket and corner of your life this uh god wants uh everything to do with uh all those aspects of your life and uh and you might be surprised uh you might want everything to do with him but maybe you need a good reintroduction mm. to jesus maybe you need a good reintroduction to what it means to to know god and uh so that's, that's, that's a big part of what we're looking to do is to go, let's give people a good reintroduction.
1: And again, it isn't to say that the message is outdated, mm-hmm. but perhaps the methodology of mm-hmm. how we deliver the message mm-hmm. needs to be fine-tuned a bit. I mean, if we were – let's change the circumstances here. If we were talking about a church plant not in North Oakland but going into Indonesia, just to pick a country off the top of my head, mm-hmm. well, you would need to take into consideration cultural differences – linguistic differences, the fact that it's fundamentally is an Islamic country, and so there's going to be some resistance that needs to be overcome. And so you would, therefore, tailor what you were doing to meet that set of circumstances, all the while recognizing the fundamental need for God is no different. Tribe, tongue, language, period of history. But the cultural context needs to change. So is this essentially maybe, in a broader sense, Pastor Madsen, need a challenge before the church in America today that we've not really kept up with the time, so to speak, that the culture around us has been changing, and we've been kind of doing business as usual, business as usual, and wondering, well, why are they no longer showing up?
4: Yeah, uh, Sarah will have some some thoughts on this as well as our church worship leader. Um, One of the things that we've noticed— that the next generation comes to expect from uh, any any group, any community that they're a part of, whether it's online or in person, is that they expect to have a participatory role. And in a lot of ways, the ways that we've been doing church uh, – Uh, for the longest time has been very passive. Very spectators. (laughs) Yeah, I show up, I sit, and everybody else uh, puts on a show. Mm -hmm. And um, that is not appealing whatsoever for the next generation um, who who really wants to be able to um, share the things that maybe they feel like God might be saying to them or to be able to have conversations with people uh, in the group around the sermon or – yeah, so so they participation. Yeah, participation has been a word for that that Sarah and I have been talking about for how we want to craft these worship services.
3: Yeah, we really want worship to be a time. We want to have clarity with our attendees that this is not a concert. We're not here to sing at you. We're here to sing with you. And we really want to encourage I I'm not um like better than or like more professional than you. I'm just keeping us all together and everyone in here has an opportunity today to step up and worship their God. And when the whole room engages, when we all step into what God is doing, you know, that's when— real life change is going to happen, that's when God is really going to be amongst his people, right, is when the church is being the church, um, not letting other people be the church and then kind of, you know, you hear this phrase a lot, like, I got fed or I came to get, I'm getting my needs met at this church. And we really want to say to that um, mentality, um, you know, God is calling you into so much more then coming and getting what you need, and then going back
1: to work. (laughs) Like a lot of life, the greater the degree of engagement, the greater sense of satisfaction in the end product. I mean, you talk about feeding. It's great Mm -hmm. to go to a nice restaurant and be served. But there's something additionally satisfying when you say, I went and I grew the vegetables, picked them out of my garden, cleaned them, prepared them, cooked them, And serve them. And people go, wow, what an experience that was. And it becomes more memorable. And it also, I mean, let's face it, God himself wants us engaged. He doesn't want this to be spectator religion. He wants this to be engaged at the relational level. So why not in all aspects of church life where we seem to, as you suggest, have taken on very much the spectator version of this? No wonder why some people say, you know, maybe that was okay for mom and dad, but that's not me.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean – uh, deuteronomy uh... God, God calls us to love him with all that we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so uh, as we're crafting these worship services, we're thinking about all those different aspects of who a person is to say God wants us to love him with each of those aspects. So in the worship service or in our community groups or in this outreach we're doing in the community, how can we engage people's minds? How can we engage their hands, their feet, their mouths? Because um, the more you get to participate in those things, not only for somebody who already is open to the way of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus, but for people who are kind of skeptical and wanting to check this out the more they get to participate with all that they are uh, we're just convinced that that's going to be the way for the Holy Spirit to get into their lives and for them to go this this is for me and there's something to this that's real and I, I, I want to go deeper I want to I want I want to see what else there is
1: Here's the biggest complaint that first-time churchgoers or church shoppers will cite they will go to a church for the first time. They may have comments about the air conditioning was too cold, the PA system was too loud, the pastor preached too long, the music wasn't my style. But the number one thing that they will say turned them away and and demotivated them from coming back, nobody said hello to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There was no engagement. Mm-hmm. They came, they had the expectation of having some engagement, there was no engagement, and so they turned their backs. Now. You duplicate that experience a handful of times over, and finally people come to the conclusion, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm not getting what I want.
3: And I really think that's the beauty of a church plant, is because we are so formational at this stage, is you really have the opportunity to come into the process itself of creating our worship gathering services, of creating our children's ministry, of speaking into these things. And there's really no way, I think sometimes we have everything so streamlined and so set up for people that, of course, they're going to come in and leave and feel like, well, you guys all did did everything and I didn't get to engage. But what you're doing with the church plant is you're saying, come and be a part of this process with us. Come and plant this church with us. And so people, I think, are having the opportunity to share some of the things like what you just Uh, shared how important it is to them that they're really a part of the service some of the things that we're trying to look at for example is you know that there's um, a time of teaching but we also create an intentional time within the surface within the service where people can um, discuss and in groups engage with what they just heard so instead of sitting and just listening and then leaving let's circle up and let's talk about like what is god saying to you through this and let's Put words to that and let's share that with other people so that we can really um, participate in what God is doing. Another thing that comes to mind is instead of, you know, come up and we'll pray for you, is, no, like, you guys pray for each other. You are the church. You and everybody can pray, and it doesn't, there's nothing, like, mysterious or special. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline that we all practice, and as we practice it, we get better at it. Some people... If we're saying one sentence for them is going to be a huge step forward, others are gifted prayers. That's one of their spiritual gifts, and they can pray forever, but or or pray really well, you know. But let's all step in to these spiritual disciplines of exploring and discovering the Word together, actively choosing to participate in worshiping our God, even if I'm not, you know, a professional singer, and um and praying together, praying for each other, hearing each other's needs. And addressing those as a church instead of coming and receiving that from like the pros you know let's let's um be the church that god is calling us to be which can be kind of messy it doesn't it's not always going to be neat and tidy but it's going to be better it's going to be richer for all of us
1: and at the end of the day that goes back (laughs) to the notion of what tends to drive away perhaps a lot of millennials and that is the lack of that because what Mm -hmm. you're really talking about takes us back to that word engagement It takes us back to a sense of community. It takes us back to a sense of connectivity. And if you, if you feel like there's a lack of connectivity, there's not going to be any glue that's going to hold you to the worship service or to that body of believers. And so no wonder people either go church shopping until they tire or just say, you know what, there's nothing here for me because all the points that I'm looking to find, all of the itches that I'm desirous to get scratched don't happen here. Let's pause on that point. We're going to come back to more of the conversation, but I want to get caught up on some traffic for you. Pastor Andy and Sarah Madsen with us. They are engaging in a Brand new church plant. It's called Reunion Covenant Church. It'll be in North Oakland. They will launch officially. Um, with kind of a, a, a shall we say a tease Sunday, yeah. um, <laughs> that will kind of you know they're they're kind of it's it's, it's like uh, you know you you open up a restaurant you you serve out a few dishes you see how people respond and then you make adjustments to the recipe right they'll be doing that um, first time out will be on Sunday March the twenty fourth at Oakland International High School and we'll tell you more about that in a moment but right now we need to tell you about traffic it's five forty two let's see what's going on out there with the latest we've got Michael. Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right. Welcome back to the conversation. Pastor Andy and Sarah Madsen with us today in studio. They are co planting pastors of a new church launch, a new church plant called Reunion Covenant Church that'll be located in North Oakland. If you say Madsen, Madsen, where do I know the name? Well, you perhaps are familiar with Andy's father, Steve Madsen from Cornerstone Fellowship, uh, the Livermore uh, branch. And um, you've got a brand new vision for the city of Oakland. And I, I like the comment that you shared um, a moment ago just before the break, Sarah, about in this as a church plant, you want the people that are going to be a part of this to be part of the process. And, you know, that also tells me that there's a sense of being open to watching this evolve. And maybe one of the challenges the church is facing today is that we we, we sometimes find a formula that seems to work. And we stick with that formula no matter what. And there are people listening right now that know exactly what I mean. We come in, we sing a song, pastor greets everybody. We, the choir then comes up and sings, and then we read the announcements. You know, there's a very methodical order to the way church is done, and we, we know that that's the way it's supposed to be done, and there is no other way of doing it. And so we're not willing to engage with the people that we're ministering to to say, well, wait a minute help be a part of this process and let's determine together what it looks like to do church and what's going to best meet the needs of this particular body i mean what a refreshing approach
4: mm-hmm. yeah i uh i on the side i uh i volunteer with uh an organization called creative mornings they have chapters all over the world and it's essentially like uh, it's a breakfast lecture series for uh, for, for creative types, um, and there's a, a, a common theme that all the chapters around the world are sharing from. They find local speakers, and um, it's been really life-giving to be a part of it. Um, uh, my, myself, you know, you, you cut me in half. I'm half pastor, half artist, and so being around other creatives and seeing what different people are doing in and around Oakland uh, really refreshes me. Um, but also, there's just some things that they do that I go, hey, we're we're not a church right now, but we're having some really good church in this moment. Um, something that the speaker shares that is just profound and just really vulnerable and and life uh, altering for, for different people to hear the, the work that they're doing or, or an experience that they had. And then just different things that they do to help break down barriers between people who don't know one another and to, to connect people. And so that's been a I I honestly steal a lot of ideas from Creative Mornings and go, you know what? We're going to do this at Reunion. Uh, For instance, they've got – everybody does name tags. Um, because let's be honest, uh, you meet somebody once, you need to meet them four or five times before it really sticks. And so at Reunion, we do name tags and, and stealing Creative Mornings approach. There's a little fill in the blank there with a different kind of icebreaker question. And people get into it. And it's just an easy way for people to connect at a more shallow level before we ask them to go to go deeper. But, but just learning from what uh, other community organizations are doing in Oakland, uh, and just going, you know what? Uh, that's great. I think we, that would work really well for a church to help people to to connect and to to seek out truth and to find out that they have uh, commonality around the cross. But you just you just find these ideas in surprising places.
1: So you're essentially reimagining the way church is done. Yes. And I know some listening say, well, wait a minute now. You know, there's a particular formula that God <laughs> had to have endorsed at some point. <laughs> but, you know, you touched on this, Sarah. This is really about the community of believers. And there's nowhere in Scripture that says this is the order of the service and the time that you're supposed to start and how many songs are sung by the choir before the special music gets up and the length of time the pastor preaches. None of that is in Scripture. So we've kind of invented some of these uh, rituals, and there's good rituals and then there's tired rituals, and and I'm not suggesting that we throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Many of the elements that I've just mentioned you're going to have, but you're going to have a little bit of a different order, a little bit of a different feel at the end of the day, a lot less spectator sport. You want that on Sunday, you know, go to a Raiders game. (laughs) But if you want people participating in – the body, this 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 living, breathing organism we call the body of Christ. Then you you really need to be a little bit malleable than to essentially meeting the needs of the people.
3: And there's so many churches out there that are doing awesome work. I mean, we've really we come from an amazing, healthy, just awesome church. I love the church that we come from and everything that that you're talking about. That they do so well and much more. Um, so we really, I think, a lot of us in our launch team and Andy and I have experienced a lot of really great ministry, a lot of really great things that we love, things that have formed our faith, that have grown us into um, mature believers. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know if that's arrogant to say if I consider myself a, a mature believer, but maybe, hopefully, I am. Um, but we also want our this team some of them have experienced things that didn't work for them or they want to try new things and you know we we serve a god who's always doing something new we serve uh, uh we believe in a savior who died and then rose again like where there was death there was new life and so we we it's a total faith walk right because you try new things and you risk and they could fail, right? And I think we we want to be willing to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in this new season in this new time um, and we want to be open to what he wants to teach us through our team and teach our team through our team. So there's this really exciting opportunity to to rebirth, to to birth something, uh, sorry, totally new. And um, I think when we put our heads, I do believe when we put our heads together and we um, share uh, ideas and we engage, at a all of us are engaging at a deeper level. The, pro- the end result is, is going to be really good because we're going to continue to evolve and grow and change as new and new things are coming our way. And, and
1: the approach here sounds like it's really community-based as opposed to personality-based. And, and so often, you know, they say, well, you know, um, Andy, his father really knows how to do church, so we 'll just let him come there 's got to be a book that 's been written <laughs> and just works through you know page by page chapter by chapter but But you really want the the sort of groundswell of input, um, and it, I think it 's going to be at the end of the day based on the needs of the community that you 're building
4: yeah've we've we 've come from a really healthy, uh, vibrant creative church, like Sarah said, and at the same time. Um, We are stepping into uh, a city where there has been so much good work done by just so many faithful churches and Christians. Uh, long before we showed up. Um, and so we, we've we also had a really fun time um, in this process before we launched of um, doing what we call field trips. And we have visited uh, Shiloh Church and Regeneration and Tapestry and Resurrection and just all these really fantastic uh, Oakland churches, uh, First Covenant. And, and we've just seen, okay, there this is how they do kids ministry. This is how they do their worship service. This is how they connect people. And we've just seen that there isn't necessarily one better or worse or perfect way to do this, but we just go, okay, they have figured out with their context and their people what really meets the needs for things. But it's just been great for us and our group to go, did you see that over there? And did you see how they did that? And uh, there there there's certain things that um, have helped us to figure out what's our unique church personality Mm -hmm. going to be. Um, Did we like that over there? Do we want to ask them how they they did things? Um, Or... Do we say, oh, you know what, that's really great how they did that. We're going to do it differently for Mm -hmm. these reasons because this is actually what folks in North Oakland need. But it's just been so – it's been so fun and so encouraging, one, to feel like you're standing on the the shoulders and feel so supported by – these churches that are supporting you and helping you um, to launch out but we're also standing on the shoulders of so many other just faithful christians who've been in Oakland for a really long time and just benefiting from what they've already figured out and 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 we're just so we're just so grateful to say thank you for your faithfulness to figure out for your context what it means to live out the gospel and to meet different needs on a sunday morning and thanks for letting us steal all your best ideas. Yeah, yes. They've
1: You've already admitted yeah. to plagiarism yes. so why not, you know? Yeah, yeah. we're all pirates. It, it, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's, it's about sharing those best practices. Yes, yes. And if somebody's figured it out, instead of saying, "Well, this can't work because I didn't come up with the idea," instead <laughs> saying, "You know what? That's a pretty good idea, and we're going to yeah. adopt it, and and mold it. Maybe we're going to copy it line item for line for line, item for item. Maybe mm-hmm. we're going to modify it in some ways so that it meets the unique needs and character of the church." Because let's face it, Oakland is changing. Oh yeah, I mean, rapidly. You, you look at the influx of people that have basically run out of real estate in san francisco yes. or at least run out of affordable real estate mm-hmm. in san francisco and looked on the other side of the bridge bridge and said they have sunshine over there <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. i wonder if there's real estate there mm-hmm. too and so you've got a huge influx yes. of high-tech people mm-hmm. and the millennials that are coming in and planting in oakland and i suspect 10 years from now Folks that lived in Oakland their whole lives to say, I barely know my city anymore because oh, yeah. it's changed so much. Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
4: it's constantly changing the area. The, the area in particular that we're in in North Oakland, everywhere we are, um, there's 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 new apartment complexes springing up all over the place. Some people are thrilled about that, and other people feel feel pushed out and discouraged. And that's one of the unique challenges of of our town is we're going to have to figure out how to all live together and and support one another and welcome one another. And 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 welcomes are really Important part of it, because some people feel like I moved here for such and such job or this reason, but I, I feel like my neighbors are giving me looks since i 'm here, and they feel like i'm i 'm pushing them out and there 's other folks that go am I still welcome here i 've been here for a really long time mm-hmm. and i 'm just barely scraping by a living and so that 's one of the the uni- unique challenges for us as a church is to go okay for the folks who 've been here for a really long time and for the folks who just got here. Um, there is more than economics and chasing a job and where I live that makes us who we are. Um, what we have in common we find around the cross. And so how can I see this person, whether they've been here for a long time or they just got here, as my brother and my sister, how can we be a family and how can we welcome one another? And I think if we figure out how to do that, um, we'll have so much to share with uh, our, our neighbors around us who are who are in the middle of that that challenge
1: themselves. Well, and what a chance for the church to shine mm-hmm. and really to put – the, the unifying power of the gospel on display because so often when we define community we do it in very narrow terms well community means the people that look like me or speak my language or share my socioeconomic status that's, that's what community looks like and what you're suggesting is you know with the changing face of that neighborhood in North Oakland and, and so much of the Bay Area uh, It's it's a combination of all those things and so at the end of the day, if we try to find our commonality in our bank account size or what company we work for, our skin color, our language, that's going to be increasingly a challenge, especially in an area that is as diverse as the Bay Area is. And yet if you find commonality at the foot of the cross, then all of a sudden, listen, brothers and sisters, all of that other stuff kind of fades away into the background, and suddenly we're finding that sense of of, of belonging and and how should i say validation as a person in our relationship with jesus christ because of in through and for our relationship with him and ultimately then with each other
4: yeah, and in our worship services, not only do we want to encourage participation, we want to have opportunities for people to circle up and get to know one another so that they can experience that very thing that you're talking about, uh, to go, I'm not here just to connect with God. Um, hopefully as a part of being a part of this, this church community, I start to see that this person who maybe from the exterior looks like they have it all put together or they have different skin color or come from a different culture from me, We start to figure out that around the cross, we we have all this commonality, but we can't do that if we have a a church gathering that is so passive where I just sit and receive. But if we have times to slow down and to circle up and connect with one another, um, not just in community groups during the week, but in the worship service itself, uh, we start to figure out. Man, this is my brother. This is my sister and we're becoming this new kind of new kind of family.
1: And you really need to break down a lot of the the traditional barriers that are there because let's face it uh, here in the Bay Area and I mean, don't don't raise your hand if you're driving. I don't want you to take your hands <laughs> off the steering wheel, but uh, can you name six neighbors? Can you name the people that live across the street from you? Mm-hmm. And on either side of them and on either side of you and the neighbor to your backyard. And I'm going to suspect that most people listening right now could, yeah, might be able to name three or four if you're really doing good, maybe one or two. And I suspect there's going to be a good percentile of people listening right now who say, you know what, I haven't got a clue.
4: God's really provided a unique gift for us in that, one, when we were m- moving to Oakland in the first place, we, we were like, how, God, how are we going to afford to live here? Um, and so God provided a really great situation that not only was affordable, but was a great way to meet our neighbors.
3: Yeah, and our neighbor Jesse, um, when we told him we were planting a new church in Oakland, he advised us. He said, you know, Oakland is a community um, where a lot of people come from maybe a broken or a dysfunctional family. There are a lot of people in the city who they, have a, they might have a great family, but their family is in another state or all the way across the nation. So they don't have that connection with their family. And there are a lot of people that have literally no family. Like they don't, they're not connected for whatever reason to any family at all. And so he told us, you know, a church that would be a gift to this community would be one that provided like a new kind of family for people where they could really belong um, and one thing new family has been a major theme um, as, as we're forming our young church um, we're seeking to become a healthier and more functional family than the ones that we have come from and I think the way we believe that we're going to do that is by centering that family around Jesus
1: let's pause can you guys stay with us for another segment Let, let's do this let's get a uh, quick update on some traffic here And then we'll come back to more of our conversation and uh, get you some details, too, about the new church launch slated for Sunday, March the 24th, at Oakland International High School. Details coming up in a moment. Right now, though, at 6 o'clock, 6.02, actually, we've got details for you on your Wednesday ride home or to church or wherever you might be headed. The latest with now, Mr. Michael Bennett. Michael.